It's great to be here and awesome to have you. Um, I know there's a lot of new faces here and we're looking forward to meeting you and getting to know you, but I want to give you my welcome as well. God is doing some great things and this year is going to be an absolute cracker. So don't miss out. You can't miss out on a single Sunday. I know at least for what's planned for the next couple of months, there's some really great stuff. So get out of bed put some deodorant on and get to church, all right? And for those who are online and you think about joining us in person, get here. We'd love to have you in person as well and we'll make room for more people. Just turn to the person next to you, tell them they look good today and it's good to see them in church. If you are online, hopefully you're with someone, tell them they look good this morning. If you have ignored the person on your other side, just say good morning to them now as well. Okay, we're going to pray and we're going to get into it this morning. I hope you're ready for what God's going to say today. We want to have faith in the room, just like the parable of the seed and the sower, that as the seed is sown, the Lord's Word is sown, that we will be great soil for this seed to land in and receive God's Word, that it's going to grow into a harvest 30, 60 and 100, right? So if you're ready to switch off, don't, okay? If you see the person next to you switching off, elbow them, all right? Uppercut them, do whatever you need to, just to say, this is for you, all right? I believe God's got something to say this morning. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. We've, we've worshipped you this morning, Lord, because you are so worthy of it, Father. Because of you, we come into a relationship with you. Because of you, Father, we get to walk with you and know you and live in your plans and purposes. And this morning, God, we gather together to be encouraged. We gather together to receive your word, Father, and we welcome it. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you reveal your word to each one of us in a way that will sink deep, grow and transform us. We declare a harvest in Jesus' name, not just here in this church. We declare that for every church in our community. We declare that over Burpengary, over Brisbane, over Australia. We declare a great harvest across the globe, Lord, as you break in and answer prayers. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. One last one. Just point at the person next to you. Say, this is for you this morning. All right. There's no hiding. I want to tell you about this amazing thing that's been taking place in the States over the past couple of weeks. There's been this news story. You might have heard about it, you might have seen it on the news in Australia even, but there was an American footballer, his name was Demar, or his name is Demar Hamlin, and uh, actually during a game, he suffered cardiac arrest, dropped to the ground, uh, medical crews came out, they had to revive him there on the ground, uh, they rev ended up reviving him twice, and uh, it was this incredible scene, but what was most incredible was it sparked this wave of prayer across the states and across the globe, actually, through social media uh, channels. This message got out to pray for Damar. 
And uh, you might have seen this photo that kind of went viral. But this is during the game. This is the two football teams stopping during the game and praying for Damar to be healed in Jesus' name. And this wave of prayer just swept the globe. It just, it was like God was breathing on this. And what was so amazing is that even the mainstream media were really kind about this. And they reported really legitimately about what was going on. Um, In the New York Times, they actually reported about this scene where there was this video that became viral and it was um, all these fans in a stadium, a football stadium, reciting the Lord's Prayer together at a football game. And then there was this other, there was this other scene where an ESPN presenter um, and a former NFL quarterback, his name's Dan Orlovsky, he stopped right in the middle of a live sports broadcast and overwhelmed by the situation, he just told them, I just feel like I need to pray right now. And uh, this was off the script. And he prayed on live TV, on ESPN. And this is what he said as he finished up praying. He said, we believe that coming to you and praying to you has impact. If we didn't believe prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. And that was reported across all these mainstream media channels. I took that, that, that report out of USA Today. Um, another USA mainstream media outlet said this, um, after his collapse sparked millions of people to prayer, the 24-year-old player has shown steady signs of improvement as he recovered at the hospital. And so on Monday, he was discharged from hospital and it looks like he is going to fully recover perfectly. And yeah, is that amazing? New York Times shared this quote from the executive vice president of football operations of the NFL. He said, I think we all have to recognize the power of prayer from coaches, players, the staff and the fans that was in the stadium and the people watching from around the world. There is power in prayer. That was a published quote in the New York Times. Isn't that amazing? And so there was this incredible scene and millions and millions of people, even the newspapers reported that people that were not of faith were praying for Damar to be healed, for God to come and work a miracle in this situation. And I think that's an amazing thing because prayer in, our, in this day and age whether you're a person of faith or not, it is still something at times where people will turn to prayer. When they hit rock bottom, when they see that something is beyond them, they will call out to a God they supposedly do not really believe is there and ask for a miracle. And so there's this tension for us as followers of Jesus, how much more will we pray 
as people who know this God of the miracles, how much more will we be a people of prayer who not only pray when things get impossible, but we pray through everyday life, giving everything to the Lord. And yet I know that as soon as we start to talk about prayer, and myself included, some of us start to get worried, right? Because we're thinking, I have a terrible prayer life. And some of us think I'm a terrible Christian because I'm a terrible prayer, right? And we talk about prayer and sometimes it's a bit like reading the Word. Okay, a pastor's talking about reading the Word. I will dust off my Bible on Monday morning and I'll start afresh, right? But God wants to encourage us today. And I wanna speak about the power of prayer and the possibility that God has a breakthrough for you that he's accessed through faith and prayer. And the Lord's been highlighting this passage for me this week. For, for me personally, it's um, Exodus 14. And it's the record of the crossing of the Red Sea. And so if you know the story, you know that um, Israel finally escaped from Egypt after God sent the 10 plagues and the Pharaoh released them to do so. They found themselves wandering, backed up against the Red Sea as the Egyptian chariot army chased them down and God parted the waters for Israel to walk through. And I was reading in my notes, in my, in my study Bible, and it said, you know, some people believe that um, they actually walked through just at this shallow spot of the Red Sea, right? And the scriptures tell us that God sent a wind, the wind blew heavily all night, it parted the waters, and we know this, we know that it was deep enough that when the Egyptian army came through and the waters closed over them, no one survived. Now, if it's this deep, there gotta be a few survivors from that, right? And does God work in natural ways? Absolutely. Was there a wind involved? Absolutely. Does God perform miracles and make water stand up? Absolutely. And so I believe that God's been showing me this passage because He has breakthrough for each one of us, that He is a God of miracles. And sometimes we relax into our faith and forget who our Father is and what He can do. And I'm hoping that I can stir something up in each one of us today as we look at the Scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18 with me. I'm gonna read this parable that Jesus shares. Luke 18, it'll come up on the screen for you as well. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. <laughs> Not a good point to look at your wife. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice 
to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Just let me pray again, Father. We just thank you for your word, Lord, and we pray. I pray for each and every heart, mine included, Lord, that as we come to your word this morning, that the work of your spirit is powerfully active and that each one of us would receive what you're saying in your word, Lord. I pray for filters just to to be removed, Lord, where we might turn this into a religious act, Father, or something that would condemn us in some way, Lord. But we pray that through the encouragement of your word today, you'll stir something up in us to be people who would come to you in faith, Lord, to be people who live lives of dependence on you in prayer, Father, coming to you and knowing the fullness of everything that you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So these parables that Jesus tells, he tells because he has a deeper spiritual truth to reveal. And so we look at this passage and we've got to try and understand what truth Jesus is trying to reveal to the listeners, us included. And so sometimes parables can be quite abstract. They can be hard to understand. And sometimes Jesus just gives it away. He'll tell the parable and then he gives the meaning of the parable as well. Now, this one's pretty easy because Luke, who's recording this, he literally tells us why Jesus tells the parable. In verse one, Luke says, he told it to show that they should always pray and never give up. So that's the end of the parable. That's the end of the message. All right. Have we got the point? So we keep looking into this and we've got to start to think to ourselves, all right, well, who does the widow represent in this parable? As you read through the scriptures from start to finish, you'll see that the Lord has a great heart for the widow and for the orphan, for those who essentially can't take care of themselves. And particularly as, as the scriptures were recorded, there were these people, very vulnerable people in society. And God had a heart to make sure that those people were loved and cared for. And so it's not an accident that Jesus uses the widow as the person who's coming to the judge here, because the widow is someone who requires something she cannot get for herself. She's vulnerable and she's coming to a judge who needs, she needs to be able to receive justice from. And so I want us to consider that perhaps we are the widow in this parable, but in the context where we are vulnerable and there is something that we cannot obtain that we need and we can't do it in our own strength. Does that make sense? All right, so who does the judge represent then? Sometimes in parables we see that there is a character in the parable that represents the father. And the purpose of the parable is for us to connect with this character And in so doing, something is revealed to us about who our heavenly father is. And so in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, we see this father whose son goes and the father looks to the horizon every day. 
and the son shames the father. The, the son turns away from the father and yet the father, when he sees the son on the horizon, the father comes running out with arms wide open and receives and restores his son back into his identity and authority as a son. And we look at this and we realise that this is who our heavenly father is. And it helps us understand, it doesn't matter what my earthly father has been like, this helps me understand what my heavenly father is like, right? Now, in this context, it's a negative. And so we look at this judge and the judge doesn't care for justice. The judge doesn't fear God. The judge doesn't care about people. This is a terrible judge, right? Whether it's a parable or not, this is not a person you want to be a judge. And so the question is, is well, is our Father, our Heavenly Father, like this judge? No, right? In this way, He's way better, okay? This judge is terrible. Our Heavenly Father, amazing. And so it's told in this context for us to see that this is not what our God is like. Our God cares about justice. Our God loves people deeply. And our God is actually the one true judge. He is the only judge that can actually bring justice in this life and eternity to come. That's who he is. And so I think um, as we get towards the end of this passage, Jesus, Jesus says this in verse 6. He says, uh, here's the meaning of this parable. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. And so what's the key here in this passage? The key is that God responds to persistent, faith-filled prayer. When we come to him, God hears us and he responds. Now we need to have a disclaimer, right? Because this passage is not teaching us that whatever we ask of him, the new car, the bigger house, that if we persistently come to him, one day he's going to give in and he's going to give it to us, right? You're like, I've been praying for this for 17 years and it's coming. The context of this passage, if we look at it, there's this key word where, it said, where Jesus says he will give justice to his chosen people. And in the context of biblical justice, biblical justice is the quality of doing what is right. And so our Father can be trusted that as we pray and bring things to Him, that He will do what is right in that situation. This is the role of the judge, and only the judge gets to decide what is right. We might think we know what's right. We're like, no, Lord, I've been praying for this, and you gave me this. And God's like, well, I'm the judge, right? Look what happens when we do what you think, right? God is the only true good judge. And so the passage finishes with this, this challenge from Jesus. He says, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And so the call is not just to prayer, where we, we read some things out 
we mumble some words, they're completely disconnected from our heart and we tick the box and say, yep, I pray. The call is to bring our heart and our faith to the Lord in prayer, that there would be this relationship where we access Him and come to Him in dependence and He responds to us. There's this thing that happens in our house uh, all the time. And uh, if you're a mother, you'll know that, um, and you've got children in the house, then you'll know that it's usually uh, just when you start something that you'll hear, Mom, Mom. Now, I want you to know the same thing goes for dads as well. And in your house, I understand it might look different to how this happens, but in our house, it's dad. And it, it, it's this, this name, Dad, gets called out anytime anything's broken, anything's not working properly, or anytime anyone can't do something. And we've got three kids in our house. So, and, and it's often just as I sit down on the couch, there'll be this cry Dad, what? The garage door's not working. Uh, Dad. What? The toaster's stuck in the toaster. I'll climb into bed at night. Dad, what? There's a mozzie in my room. Dad, what? The dog's eating my sock. Now, these are things that apparently only dads can fix, right? And so this name gets called out regularly. And I have three default responses to this. I was thinking about this. Number one, my response is, it's okay, you can do it. You can sort this out, give it another shot, right? You are capable of killing a mosquito. Mm-hmm. Not the only one who can do that, right? You are capable of getting the sock out of the dog's mouth. Not the only one who can do that. Number two response is, I'll come and I'll help you do it, right? If it's something they need to learn to do for themselves, I wanna be there for them and help them learn to do it, all right? And number three is simply, okay, I'll fix it. Don't touch the garage door. You're just gonna stuff it more. I will fix it, okay? They're getting tools out. It's all right, Dad, I've got it. No, no, it's okay. And so while it drives me crazy at times, right, I think God must love it when we come to Him. When, when we're the ones who are like, Dad, what? This situation's not going well. Okay, you can do it. Dad, what? This is broken. All right, I'll fix it. Dad, Dad, Dad. I reckon God loves it when we're crying out to Him in that way. I wanna give you five points just as I wrap up here that show us how we can't not pray, all right? If you're a note taker, write these down. Number one, I want you to hear this. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Everything that is available to us through the Lord is accessed through faith. And so we need to pray in faith. 
faith pleases God. Faith says that we do not give up. George Muller, who was a famous evangelist and missionary, he said this. He said, it's not enough to begin to pray, nor to pray aright, nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray, but we must patiently, believingly continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. And further, we have to not only continue in prayer until the end, but we also uh, but we have also to believe that God does hear us and will answer our prayers. Most frequently, we fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained and in not expecting the blessing. We need to learn the discipline of praying to completion, praying, not just praying for something, praying through something, bringing it to the Lord. Number two, Persistent prayer grows our character. It develops our faith and it develops our hope. In verse five, there was this term where the judge says, I don't fear God, I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Now in the Greek, that, that little term there, that expression, it actually means striking the eye or giving me a black eye. Isn't that interesting? I've done a little bit of boxing over my years and the eye is a target. When you're striking that jab and someone's dropping their guard, you're going for right here. And over time, you're either gonna split it open. This is good, isn't it? In brotherly love, you're gonna split their eye open or you're gonna cause it to swell up and they're not gonna be able to see. And then you're really gonna whack them after that. It's this same example of repetitively striking the eye. And this is what we are being called to do, to come in this persistent manner and the judge will respond to our calling out. Number three, if we believe God cares, then we believe he hears. The enemy would love to make us believe that God doesn't hear us or that he's not listening. And if you are here today and you've believed this lie from the enemy, I want you to be encouraged that the Lord hears your prayers, that he knows your pain as you come and as you cry out to him. He sees you, he hears you, and he is with you. He is listening. Number four, prayer equips us to persevere. God doesn't promise the smooth sailing life. In 2023, great things are gonna happen in Jesus' name but God is gonna call us to persevere in faith at times and he's gonna give us the strength to do it. Number five, much prayer equals much power. I had this mentor once and his favourite saying was this, he said, no prayer, no power, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. And this is true, I want you to hear this, this is true for individuals And this is true for churches as well. Much prayer, much power. We access the heart of God and then we watch Him move in faith as we pray. In the book of James, He says, you do not have because you do not ask. How many things are there in life that we require breakthrough in and yet we're not asking the Lord for them? We care deeply about these things and yet we don't bring them to the Lord. Why is that? I wonder if one of the main reasons is 
is that we don't pray at times because we don't see an instant response. We pray these words, they go out somewhere, right? And there's no email that pops into our inbox and says, your prayer has been received and your delivery will arrive in nine to 14 business days. And because we don't get that affirmation, there are times where we can navigate huge things in our lives, things that we care deeply about and we've never once brought them before the Lord. And if Jesus is saying anything today, I want you to hear this. He's telling you, it's time to bring that thing to the Father. Come and lay it down. He desperately wants to hear you, crying out to Him and He wants to move and meet you for breakthrough. All right, we're gonna get really practical this morning. So get ready for this, okay? You're gonna find out what the boards are about. I wanna ask you some questions. I just want you to think about these things. If you got your phone, you might wanna write some things down. If you got paper and pen, you might wanna write these down. First question is this, just ask yourself, am I praying? Am I praying? What does it look like for you? And that word, I know that word means so many different things to so many different people. I wanna ask you, do you have a relationship with the Father where you come and you talk to Him in prayer? You speak and you listen. If you're not praying, why not? Is the next question. Why not? What needs to change? What needs to happen in this situation? Getting really practical, I wanna ask you, do you have a method of praying for something consistently? Do you journal? Do you have like a prayer roster, you know, a prayer calendar where you pray for specific things? One of the things that just sits terribly with me is if I ever tell someone, I'll pray for that, I'll pray about that, and then I remember that I haven't. How do you keep track of all those things? My memory is not good enough just to do all that in my head. Where have you been required to exercise faith in the past year? Did you pray through that situation? Keeping up? Okay. Last question, and this is where we're gonna get really practical. I want you to write down three things, the three biggest burdens on your heart. I want you to write them down Stick them in your phone, write something down for yourself. But what we're gonna do as we wrap up today and as a team just lead us in, in some worship as we close, down the front here, we have some paper and pens and blue tack and these boards. And I want you to come down during worship and put your three things, maybe you've only got two, maybe you've only got one, 
but put them on the prayer board. What I'd really love, I'd really love if you're open to putting your name on there, Ethan. We've got all these opportunities coming up where we're gonna invite people to pray with you for those things. So it helps when there's a name for them to be able to pray for that person. I understand maybe it's not something you put your name to. Get them on the board still. And in the coming weeks and over the next month, we're gonna be praying for those things. All right, are you with me? All right. And then what I want you to do, here's, here's our challenge. Here's our message challenge today. I want you at some point to set an alarm or a reminder for 12 noon to stop and pray for those things, all right? Once a day, once a day, however long that takes you to stop and pray. Once a day, stop and pray. Why 12 noon? Because at midday we pray. It rhymes, did you see that? It's a Baptist thing. At midday, we pray. You got me? And I'll give you a little insight into what's coming up. We're gonna be praying at 12 noon every day, a huge number of us. And we're gonna add this to whatever your prayer life already is, whatever that looks like. And then starting on the 1st of Feb, we're gonna be starting 10 days of prayer and fasting, 10 days of prayer and fasting leading up to our 10th birthday as a church. And so, isn't that cool? Whether you know how to pray or not, whether you can pray for an hour or not, I can promise you, God is not interested in that. He's interested in your heart, in you coming to Him with that faith and praying. And so we're gonna be learning to do that as a church. All right, why don't you jump on your feet? I'm gonna pray, we're gonna worship. You can bring your three prayer points down. Father, we just bless you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. We thank you that you hear us when we pray. We thank you that you care, Father. We thank you that even right now, as your word is spoken out, lies of the enemy are being broken and hearts are being turned to you. Lord, we lift up these prayer requests. We ask you to break in and bring justice in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.